As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, everyone, and welcome back to my podcast, You're Doing a Good Job. And in case you don't know, my name is Caleb, and I am so glad that you are here. All right, so I am doing something a little different this week and republishing an episode from my old podcast, Finding Your Way. I actually went back and listened to this episode with Dr. Caroline Leaf, and I got so much from it again, so I wanted to make sure that this episode was living on my current podcast. Now, if you're not familiar with Dr. Leaf, then it's important for you to know that she is a communication pathologist and cognitive neuroscientist, and her work has helped hundreds of thousands of students and adults, including myself, learn how to use their mind to detox and grow their brain, which in return has helped them succeed in every area of their lives. On this episode, we talk a lot about her latest book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, Five Simple, Scientifically Proven Steps to Reduce Anxiety, Stress, and Toxic Thinking. On this episode, we talk about the strategies that you can begin to implement in your life that will help you foster and cultivate the power of your own thinking and direct your own brain changes. She calls this mind management. And when done correctly, mind management helps facilitate talk between the conscious, the subconscious, and the non-conscious mind. This in turn gets brain waves flowing in a healthy way, optimizing brain function. This is done by implementing the neurocycle, and she goes into depth around what the neurocycle is, but essentially it's a simple, clinically researched mind management tool for personal use to address warning signals such as anxiety, depression, toxic thinking, inability to concentrate, exhaustion, and burnout before they take over someone's mind and life. Y'all, I promise you this podcast episode with Dr. Caroline Leaf is so good, and you're going to get something from this episode. So with that being said, here's what Dr. Leaf has to say. First, Dr. Leaf, again, thank you so much for taking the time. It is such a pleasure to have you on uh, the podcast today. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be on the podcast with you, Caleb. <laughs> it's wonderful. Thank you. I will have to say that this really is special for me um, mm -hmm. because you have played such a pivotal role in my life. Um, wow. You know, and I don't expect you to know uh, anything really about my story, but I 
knew that it was time to walk away from the NFL. I was self-destructing in the most toxic and destructive ways. And life was about to get really ugly for me. And I, one drunken night (laughs) on my like second or third bottle of wine, decided that it was time to, uh, time to basically leave. And I left the NFL and I found this series of tweets on a, on a church Twitter in Canada. And I don't know what it was about that moment, but at this time, I'm the least self-aware person you've ever met in your life. I have no emotional understanding of what I'm feeling and why I'm feeling it. And there was this deep knowing that I was supposed to go there. And I literally, so desperate and hungry for wow. change, trying to understand what was happening in my life. Because at this time, I, like, I just accomplished my childhood dream and realized I missed something severely here. And... I went and I walked into this church in Canada and I said, I need help. Can you help me? And I went from playing in the NFL to sleeping on a a basement floor and basically becoming kind of a glorified janitor of a church for several years so that I could get help. And some of the first work that they placed in my hand was your work. And, you know, like the the seeds and the trees and the branches, the down branches, the weeds. (laughs) And it was so incredible because it gave me such a framework for understanding the journey ahead. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you for those encouraging words. I mean, that's just, I mean, I read it as well in the, in, you know, the email and I hearing you say this, it's just, this is what encourages me to carry on doing what I do. So yeah. thank you for sharing that. I, I'm so pleased that it helped you. Yeah. And I, on and I just wanted to say all that to honor you because I know thank you. that that work um, did not come without a cost <laughs> on your side, right? I know it didn't come with so many sacrifices and uh, yeah. probably your own sense of pain and despair and grief uh, along your own journey. Yeah. So I just sincerely want to say yeah. thank you for saying yes to the call in your life and, and, and doing this work. Thank you. That's so kind. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. So now, what we a can, great story. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It's been a, it's been <laughs> a whirlwind. <laughs> um, wow. If we can have a, a, a vulnerable moment, maybe, and you can say no, but I'm just curious. I know that as a doctor, as a re- researcher, as a scientist, yeah. like um, you're constantly putting information and data out there, but I'm genuinely curious you know, what's going on in your life or what would you say is coming up in your heart right now in this season of life for you that you're currently leaning into and working through? Well, that's such a really good question because, you know, I think one of the reasons why I call my podcast Cleaning Up the Mental Mess and my newest book is called Cleaning Up the Mental Mess that we're talking about today is because we all, if you're human, there's a constant mental mess in your mind. And what I have tried to do is recognize from what I need, what my patients need as a scientist, what my, and as a mom of four kids married for 34 years, um, you, you, you never made it. You're always going yeah. through the journey, but they, once you understand more about sort of how the mind works, it helps so much that so all the work that I've done is not something that I've done as a scientist. And then I don't apply everything, everything that I teach, teach everything I write about everything I say is come from a lot of heartfelt vulnerability of things that I've gone through you know my there's there's so many things like all of us have got incredible stories you know my husband was an alcoholic for the first few years of our marriage and our marriage nearly ended and then he stopped drinking and I've got four kids they've all had major challenges I've had major challenges I suffered with an eating disorder when I was younger and you know so there's been a lot of stuff that you know my eldest daughter did and you know they've battled with depression and there's been sort of suicides uh, suicidal things in the family and so none of nothing just because I'm in mental health it doesn't mean that it's all just one big walk in the park what I really am realistic about is that every day every moment I need to get my mind under control so like 
uh, even just working under the pressure that I'm working at the moment with the new book coming out and I work on apps and I'm, I'm constantly on, on interviews and you know you've got to manage all of that so that's that's a vulnerable moment and so it's, it's cleaning up my mental mess is something I'm doing every day mm. I mean like I lost my cool with my one daughter who's my producer the other day and there, there was like no reason to do it really but it, it's, it's it's what happened and I used my process to actually get me under control so I really use what I teach yeah. I, I love what I teach my kids use it my husband uses it and I wouldn't we've got to get our mind managed and so that's really is my vulnerability is to actually admit that if I don't manage my mind I'd be a mess and I know how to do it and I know how to get out of messes quicker than I did before and I'm getting better and better because the mind is malleable and you can you know you can change your mind so you can yeah. find those roots of those traumas and you know so no it's good this is work is a, a lifelong journey um, it it's is. so easy. And I know I've gotten like caught up in this trap over and over again. And I know that sometimes when I'll even talk to people or myself, when I'm really paying attention to my, my thought process is like, you know, I've tried this before and it didn't work, you know, so what's yeah. next. Right. And there's never been this fully surrendering to the process. Um, yeah. and it's just, it's so easy to feel like I tried this before it didn't work and then fall into the despair of like, I must be really broken. If this isn't working, you know, it's so easy to fall in that trap. So what would you say to somebody who has maybe walked down this journey a little bit and life didn't turn out the way they expected or it's not going the way that they had planned? I'm so glad you asked that question. I would answer embrace it. Embrace mm. it because as we embrace something, and embrace is not like, you know, you embrace your wife. You, you, it's not something, it's you bring it into your fold. You're not running from it. You're embracing it because the minute that you embrace something, you get control over it. And in a good sense in your mind. So if you are pushing things away or suppressing or even covering with guilt or shame or condemnation or comparing to someone else's journey, those are all ways of trying to not deal with the stuff. So if you compare yourself to someone else or you get mad at yourself for not achieving or feel guilt or shame or just shove it down and don't think about it or get caught up in a sort of an addiction to try and suppress it or whatever it may be, all of that is giving whatever it is that you're battling with control over you. So as painful as it, as it is, the only way out is through. We have to embrace, mm. we have to process, and we have to reconceptualize. And those are three really beautiful words and three guiding philosophies that I've used with all the work I've done for 38 years in the mind, brain, research, neuroscience, epigenetics, everything that I do, and the 25 years of clinical practice, my own life, my kids, is everything, don't push it away, embrace it. And what I showed in my most recent clinical trials, when, and I put a summary of them into the first part of the book, is that, um, and there's a lot of things, but one of the things I showed is that if you look at some, if you look at what, like that difficult stuff as something that's actually a helpful messenger versus, mm. oh gosh, I haven't done it yet, or I'm broken still, or why am I, aren't I getting, instead of seeing that in a negative sense, if you see it as, oh, okay, I'm still battling, that's okay, I still feel depressed, that's okay, um, I'm still feeling really anxious. That's okay. Let me embrace it because in embracing, you find the lesson, you find the message, you yeah. get through it, and then you can process it. So once you've embraced, you can process. Processing is then analyzing and finding the root cause of getting mm. right down to, you know, looking at your signals, your behaviors, your perspective, your what is the origin story, the root cause of something. Because all of those emotional warning signals and physical warning signals are things that are telling us about something that is going on. Mm. It's a, a they are warning signals of an underlying cause so by embracing you're giving yourself the chance to process and and it's and there's no time
home to that journey. And yeah, we all hear this. So that's why what I've done is, you, I know you know that what I'm saying is true. And, and most people will agree, yes, but it's hard. And when you're in that moment, it's really hard to apply the logic of doing that. So the way that I help people apply the logic of what we know we should be doing is to understand the science behind it. Yes. You know, why, what's happening in the brain and the body? What is the mind? What is the brain and all that kind of stuff. And, and that's why I do the clinical trials to show you like in an instant, you can affect your cortisol levels, your glucose levels, your all kinds of stuff. So does, we can yeah. unpack that in a little bit more detail, but does that answer your question? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. More than answers my question. Do you ever feel like there is a time though, that um, when you are, embracing it um i have found myself like trying to understand why as i embracing it and trying to get to the deeper roots and understanding uh, behind my thoughts and my actions and sometimes i just can't find it right is there is there a time period and i know that's when we invite you know therapists or we work with other people to help us to mirror back so we can see what we can't see on ourselves and probably why you really stress the importance of community inside of your book um yeah. Is there a point where we have to surrender the need to figuring it out and just learning how to embrace it is enough? Well, you, you go through stages. So, you know, and that's a really good question because there's always a cause for everything. There's always a root to every behavior. Mm -hmm. So you, you can't do something without first having a physical thought inside your brain. So if I hold up this model of the brain, we've, th this is not the same as the mind. The mind uses the yes. brain and we can talk about that difference Please. in a moment, but you build structures that look like trees into your brain and you've seen the trees. You've, you spoke about them earlier on. You were exposed to that in my early, in my, when you were exposed to my work before, but you everything I'm saying now is coming from trees in my brain. I've built I've spent years researching this stuff. So you can't say something without having something there. You can't do something without having something there. So let's say that I have a toxic behavior. So there's a toxic thought in my brain. So uh, so there's always how can I explain this? If I'm speaking, um, let's say that you get mad at someone and it's a constant get mad in traffic. It's like something so bland, getting mad in traffic, and it's a constant pattern. <laughs> that getting mad in traffic is not some random behavior. That getting mad in traffic is coming from um, something that in built into your brain and there's a reason behind that so you so nothing can come out of your mouth unless it comes from your brain yeah. and nothing gets into your brain unless your mind works so it's mind to brain to action so if we look at our actions in order if they are negative behaviors um, that they're impacting ourselves our mental peace our relationships our be getting stuck then we do need to find the root because we need to go from that's my behavior and then i need to track back from my behavior i need to analyze and get more detail about the behavior and the emotions attached and the impact on my body i need to get down dig down deep i need to go through the tree from from the warning signals of emotions and physical reactions in our body to the behaviors and the detail of the behaviors all these branches represent lots of memories wow. which are the behavior memories and so on the information this is a thought a thought's made of memories. You've got behavior memories and you've got your root memories. Those behaviors are coming from there. Like a tree can't grow without a root. You can't do something without a root producing the behavior. That's exactly, you know, trees don't just appear above ground. There's a root. So in answering your question, we have it's hard and maybe it'll take time and there's no fixed amount of time yeah. and sometimes it's really hard and might take years before you're ready because your brain reordered in the moment of that trauma um, and it might take years and we get very good at suppressing and that kind of thing but you will eventually get to that route and it, sometimes it takes another angle to get there it might be that you have to sort out sort of connected things first or you can only deal with yeah. that route and eventually you'll deal with that one and eventually yeah. that one and so it's just being patient with yourself and going through cycles and, and where people 
people really, I think, lose it in this aspect is that we live in such a quick fix society. Mm. It's like go to your therapist, get fixed, or go on the seven minute sort of seven step course and now you're final get the coaching uh, and also you know positive psychology say those affirmations say my gratitude statements and, yeah. and you're doing but it's not because those are just band-aids yeah. if you don't actually come to grips and make that decision I want to change my life I want to yeah. change these aspects in my life I know I must you've got to go beyond the I know I must beyond the everyone giving you advice you have to go to the point where you actually decide for yourself I need that epiphany you need we need those epiphany moments where okay I am going to make a choice to yeah. get through this to live to get to the other side um that soul movie i don't know if you've seen that soul movie yeah Have just recently that? so good and at the end one of the most profound statements is that where the guy says when they say what are you going to do with your second chance of living and he said i don't know but i'm just going to live anyway something mm. along those lines yeah. and that's what we need to do there's always a reason so we do need to push through otherwise this <laughs> thing stays there this root will be there that if you don't pull the root out and reconceptualize it and reorder it and make because it's part it's happened to you it's never going to go away whatever happened to you is always going to be there but you want to deconstruct and reconstruct very much like if you take an old home and you uh, um, and you buy a house and you it's a disgusting old house and you bash it down and you build something beautiful. You remember how it was. You've got photos of how it was, yeah. but now you've got this beautiful new mental space. So you don't eliminate you, the, the memory of it, but it's now reconstructed. So it's, it's a, embracing processing and reconceptualizing is a deconstruction and reconstruction process. So it takes time. It takes cycles of 63 days. Yes. And if it's a very big trauma, it may take you multiple cycles of 63 days. And there's a lot of science behind it. But Caleb, most people will give up if they haven't found the quick fix mentality yeah. we have today. Like I've done my five gratitude statements. I've done it for three days. Why aren't I better? <laughs> or maybe four, maybe I'm being facetious. Maybe they push through for five days or seven days. But most people give up within that region if they're not feeling the change. You're not going to feel major change. You feel little changes. Day four, day seven, day 14, day 21. Yeah. They're sort of marks along the way day 42 day 63 so there are stages but we have to understand that timeline so to help people to move forward i always explain the timeline and i always explain the process that you have to go through like you're an athlete and i know you know you you, you didn't just get to your yeah. childhood dream you spend hours training all of us get that. We all understand for you to have got to the level of expertise that you that you did, you spent hours of training. Why aren't we applying that to our mind? Yeah. Why do you, you no one would expect you to get on the field and be an expert NFL player? You they know that you have to go through training. Why don't we approach our mind in the same way? We're not. We're not we're in a society where mind is not seen as, as important as the physical. Because yeah. everything's focused on the brain, and 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 the, the brain has been interchanged with mind. Mind and brain have become one, but they're not. They're separate. Mind has one set of rules, and brain has another set. And then there's the interaction between the two. So it's a separate but inseparable relationship. And until we understand the importance of mind and the malleability mind and the trainability of mind and the need to spend your entire life training, yeah. if you want to remain and and even now you may not be paying professionally, but you go you still work out. You know if you miss three days or five days of a workout. It becomes difficult to when you go back again that's the same principle yeah. we've got to train our mind we've got to keep going and we get so frustrated with ourselves because we think hey i've got to achieve this or well, you just achieve one 63 day cycle and then another thing hits you and this is all very normal we need to embrace that and process that and that's what my research has shown and we can talk a little bit more about yeah. the sort of science do you want to ask some questions about what i've just said before um, we yeah no i love what you said with this like um because i'm thinking back in my own mm -hmm. life and the first part of my own journey was it took 
probably about three and a half months for me to actually wrestle my heart into this posture of surrender to say to myself that if it takes me the rest of my life to find healing, I'll go the distance. And I would ask myself that question often and I could feel it rise up in my heart like, nope, not there yet. Screw that. Nope. I'd much rather just like put band-aids over and live that life of just coping. Right. But then there came this moment of doing work, doing a little work, doing a little work and making it more of a rhythm in my life. And then coming to this moment of like, yeah, if it takes me the rest of my life, I'll go the distance. And that in and of itself did something. It switched something on in me. That was your epiphany. It was 100% an epiphany that switched something on in me. And that's exactly, I'm so glad you explained that because that is, it's, it's that realization that we, I think it's the realization that I have to take control mm-hmm. that, um, you, we, we can't, you, you've seen Lord of the Rings, haven't you? I'm sure you've watched. I've Lord never of the Rings. actually. Have. Okay. <laughs> After this discussion, go see Lord of the Rings. But with Lord of the Rings, there's, there's, I'll just use this analogy Please. quickly because I'm sure some of your listeners have, there's this one main character who has to carry this ring, which represents sort of evil and journey of his life, what he's got to get rid of. And he's got to epic just epic three movie journey three movie hours and hours he eventually gets the thing thrown into the volcano but it's very much of life we have got our we've all got our ring to carry and the the one of the i mean there's so many messages but the reason i use it is because anyone else who touches frodo's ring gets very affected they become completely destroyed and it leads to a lot of destruction he's the only one who can actually and even that then it's a burden that he has to walk through and eventually get rid of and that's what we we all have to do we have to recognize that it's long it's hard you're going to break down you're going to get up you're going to cry and and, and we say this but we don't accept Mm -hmm. it the only way out is through we've got to carry our ring what we've also been led to believe with the whole positive psychology movement and and um, there's a lot of good in it too obviously nothing everything always good and bad but it has led to a very simplified version of what life should be and it's it's actually had a very negative impact um that philosophy that plus neuro reduction which is everything is about the brain it's effective mental health what we've been told almost almost also the whole coaching industry all of that kind of approach is saying that oh actually um i can carry your ring for you but no i can't mm-hmm. i can't i can so sam is frodo's friend and sam a couple of times tries to take this burden away and he gets affected but then he turns around to Frodo at the end and he says, look, I know you're broken. I can't carry your ring, but I can carry you. And that's the community aspect. Yeah. What we need to recognize is that we need each other, but we've got to do our own stuff. And it's that epiphany moment. And then people are so traumatized or people have gone through so much. They, they'll often say, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And I can't is then the wiring that you put into yeah. your brain. And that's what you set up. That's your pattern that you set up in your mind and brain because they're separate as I keep saying. And then, that, but the, you're still doing something, but the, the doing that you're doing is I can't, I can't cope. And you live in that live in that nether land that there's nothing you just have no mental peace but when you get that epiphany and you get go through the brokenness because it's, it's like surgery mm. you have to get cut up and go through pain and then healing that's the mind it totally so when you do decide to say okay i am finally going to try and work out why i'm feeling like i've just been coping like like life i'm t- depressed most of the time or frustrated or anxious or all of the above and just like the, the day I wake up and I don't want it. So it could be that that's quite extreme. But until you get that epiphany moment where you say, all right, I'm going to take, uh, this is going to be hard, but I choose to yeah. take control. I will embrace, I will process, I will reconceptualize. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Like the surgery example, mm-hmm. like, you know, when you're working out and that kind of stuff, 
but you keep pushing through. Mm. And then eventually you will find the route and then the next thing comes along. It's a lifestyle. Mind is always working. You can go three weeks without food. You can go three days without three water. You can go, sorry? No, I can go like three seconds without food. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay, you can go three seconds or three. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so three, three weeks you could, if you tried, go without food. You can survive yes. but, uh, by choice. Three days without water. Three, three minutes without oxygen, but we don't even go three seconds without mm. thinking. Yeah. So our mind's always working. So what we need to do, and mind has got a conscious and an unconscious level, and it's always working. 24-7, your mind is always working. Non-conscious works 24-7. Conscious only works when you're awake. Like right mm. now, your conscious mind's working and your non-conscious mind is working. When you go to sleep, just your non-conscious mind is working. And that's what's driving us. So mind is you. You are your mind. Yeah. And you with your mind are experiencing life. So as life happens with your mind, you think, feel, and choose. And as you think, feel, and choose in response to life, you build that into, that stimulates a flow of energy through your brain. And your brain responds chemically and genetically. And that you, you build that experience into your brain, either as a healthy thought, because thoughts look like trees in your brain. That's, this is neuroplasticity, the brain changing, or a toxic thought. And these can be changed at any time because your, your mind's always changing, which means your brain's always changing. So this doesn't have to determine your future. You can decide decide how the future is going to play out in the past is going to play out into your future. You can decide how long you want to keep this. You can decide to get rid of this. You can change it into this. You can change this back into that. You've got this autonomy, but we don't all realize it and we don't know how to do it. And we don't realize it's something we can practice and it's a skill. And that's what this book's about. This book is about all of us. If you're human, you have a mental mess. You need to clean up your mental mess. How do you clean up your mental mess? What does it mean? It means that I'm using my mind to clean up my mind, to clean up my brain and body because the mind is thinking, feeling, choosing. The brain is the physical. The mind moves through the brain. The brain responds to the mind. So my mind moves through my brain. The brain responds to the mind, builds these thoughts, and then we perform these actions. So that there's a separate but inseparable relationship between the two. We can learn to control our thinking, feeling, and choosing in the moment and in dealing with trauma and just every day, we, we, our mind's always working. So my argument is that if you can't even go three seconds without using your mind, you need to learn to control your mind. And yeah. it's a skill you can develop and apply across the board constantly all the time. As I control my mind, I then change my brain because yeah. my brain just does what the mind tells it to do and vice versa with the body. The, the brain then tells the body what to do. So it's all mind to brain and body. Body and brain are responders. That's so good. Um, I, I just love how you said, like, when people would even say it's so hard, you're like, oh, no, that's the thought process that you're looking for. <laughs> it's like right in front of you. Like, that's the one you need exactly. to get to the root of. Um, it's so good. And I know early on in your book, when I was reading it, you talked about the importance of catching our thoughts and altering our thoughts in kind of what you just said now, um, our thoughts and reactions before they become those toxic neural pathways or networks. Um, it reminded These me. Things. Yes, exactly. It reminded me of a quote that I actually read early on in my journey by Viktor Frankl, right? He says, mm. in between stimulus and response, there's space. And in that space is our power to choose, right? And what yes. we choose will determine our, uh, you know, our life from there on out, right? Exactly. And I realized because I was somebody that was like, I don't, if you're familiar with the Enneagram, like I'm a four, I'm the most emotional uh, guy that you probably have ever met inside of a body like mine. Um, but I would get lost in my feelings, right? I would have these visceral reactions of anger and rage and dread and anxiety, and I, they would overwhelm me. 
And so it took me a long time when I was triggered or when I, I don't like using the word triggered. <laughs> I speak in a lot of schools. And so when I was activated, yeah, um, thing that's a much better word. Yeah. Yes. When I was activated, I would get lost in the feeling immediately. But then there started, when I started just doing this work and leaning into the discomfort of it and showing up, there was this moment where I could begin to observe this space that was available for me to choose differently. And maybe it was like a fraction of a second and then it became half a second and then it became a second. And then it was like almost I'm standing outside of myself, looking at myself and being like, oh, I get to choose differently. And in my choice is going to determine the reroute, the rerouting of my life. It's going to change my life. So my question, I guess, is because I actually I think from you. I, yeah, that's what I teach that you basically. <laughs> so yeah, the way I, beautiful. the way on that I would do, what I would do is I would carry a notebook in my pocket. This is honestly what your work did for me. I would carry a notebook in my pocket, and anytime I felt an uncomfortable emotion, right? Anytime I felt, whether I was driving down the freeway, in the grocery store, at the gym, if I felt, if I felt dread, anxiety, fear, I would stop because I then begin to realize that those uncomfortable emotions are messengers, and they're showing me something that I need to see. And I would try my best to say, okay, what thought? Am I processing right now? What thought just ran through my mind? Oh my God, my family's going to think that I joined a cult because I went to this church and I'm a janitor of a church and blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, oh, I'm, or I'm going to lose all my money, whatever it might be, right? I'm going I'm to waste all my money. And so I would start tracking my thoughts. And that was the beginning of me learning how to deploy self-awareness to begin to watch and observe so that I could choose differently. And so I'm curious, because I know that your book, is, it talks about the five steps of cleaning up your mental mess. I think you call it the five steps of neurocycle. Um, it's, yeah. Is, those, are those, those are the five steps that will help people choose differently in that moment, correct? Exactly. So in that Victor Frankl space, that quote's one yes. of my favorite quotes as well. In that space, that's, and that was the space when, when I gave the analogy of Frodo and all that stuff. It's in that space. We have to get in that space. That's The only person who controls that space is you. No one can control that space. And so no good. amount of coaching or therapy or love from a loved one, they can support you to encourage you to get in that space because that's the first thing. Secondly is, yes, you've done, you were doing the five steps to get to that point. So that's so good to hear that and I used to, they basically over the years as I've developed the concept um, I've changed the names and made it more and more simple now we call it the neurocycle neuro being brain and you cycling through your brain with your mind and like you recycle plastic you keep recycling these things you can keep changing them and it's the whole princess process of reconceptualization which is in a nutshell um and then i'll come to the five steps and, and mm -hmm. take your example and re unpack it is if you think of the what you've done with your life you've applied you've embraced process and reconceptualize you're still doing it all the time you're learning how to manage your emotions so what you've done is you've taken um uh, the kintsugi principle have you ever heard of it the kintsugi principle no, japanese it's, it's amazing they, they, it is a beautiful vase and it falls yes, to the ground yes. and shatters in pieces yes. they don't sweep the things away they pick up every piece and they meticulously rebuild mm. with gold lacquer and platinum so you, you have a new vase that looks different but it's more beautiful because it's got all that gold lacquer that represents all the elements the overreactivity the this the that this happened the trauma the oh it, it's all it's all and, and each thought that you reconceptualize becomes this whole you know your, your life is like that then it shatters and then we rebuild and that's this process of embrace this this disaster or this the situation and rebuild you know, let it you know let it shatter it's yeah. shattered and then let's rebuild and that's the choice to rebuild the choice you can say you can stay broken 
and or you can rebuild and turn that brokenness into something beautiful. And I know this is all very cheesy and philosophical, <laughs> but that's literally what is happening. Yeah. So now let's go to the science. And that's why, because I always feel so important for to marry the science. And from my research over 38 years, when you actually marry science with what we know instinctively what to do with humans, and you make it a simple process, you will get you'll be effective. So I showed that with my in my uh, most recent clinical trials that you you can get uh, you can improve your control over over emotions like anxiety, depression, frustration, irritation, mm-hmm. anger by 81%. Wow. By using the neurocycle, so the neurocycle is not a therapy technique. It is a process. It's not. It's not going to replace therapy or coaching. It enhances therapy. It enhances enhances coaching. It teaches you how to live with yourself. Basically, yeah. that's what the neurocycle is. It's five steps that help you manage your mind. Remember, I said mind's always working. This, yes. You don't even go three seconds. So the neurocycle is how you manage those mind your mind in the three seconds and and in the big stuff and the small stuff and the day-to-day stuff and the trauma work and the toxic habit work and the building good habits. And it's, it's all, all that's mind. All that leads to it's all of those combined in the moment, the detoxing trauma, the detoxing bad habits, building new habits, all of that is lifestyle. And all of that is driven by mind and the neurocycle makes it more efficient. So you're increasing your efficiency. The neurocycle is what we do anyway on the non-conscious level at 400 billion actions per second. Wow. But what I'm doing is bringing a non-conscious process with all of its science and simplifying it into a conscious, deliberate process that when you do that, it trains you to be more efficient and more intelligent and when you use it in a in a date in a 15 to 45 minutes a day to work on a trauma thought and when you finish that another trauma thought or a toxic habit that every day you're always doing a a fixed amount of time you can reduce it down to 7 to 15 minutes once you've got a hang of it but you every day you do a constructive sit down and work through something and if you use it as much as you can during the day in between the in between times your efficiency level increases so what we see from neuroscience is that you can manage your mind Every 10 seconds, we designed to self-regulate. You made a comment, self-awareness. You made another comment, being able to stand back and observe yourself, which is something you read obviously about. And I talk about that in my books and I talk about it in this book. The standing back and observing yourself is a phenomenal skill that we have, which fires up the frontal lobe of the brain, brings balance between the two sides of the brain, decreases impulsivity, brings all these alpha, data, gamma, beta, high beta, delta, theta, all the waves into balance, changes the blood flow, the oxygen makes 1400 neurophysiological responses start working for you all kinds of them all these that that plus the whole neurocycle that's the kind of thing it's doing that's why you get this 81 percent improvement this is why when you use the neurocycle you will you you will decrease inflammation significantly in your brain you'll bring down cortisol levels significantly in your brain you'll bring down glucose levels glucose levels spike along with cortisol when we don't manage our mind we in toxic stress when we intox and we and we frightened of those emotions and we're trying to push them away like I described earlier on and see them as bad. The minute you say, okay, like you did, I'm feeling this tremendous anger, mm. haul out the notebook. The minute you acknowledged you got control, you went from being in a toxic stress state with 1400 neurophysiological responses working against you with your blood vessels around your heart constricting, reducing blood flow to the brain and and, the, and oxygen to the brain. You shifted in a second by taking it out and Acknowledge, uh, gathering awareness and and going through the, the the reflect process, the questioning and the writing, which are the first three steps. By doing that, you in a 
just in a split second, you now, you were still feeling angry. You were still feeling right. emotions, but instead of pushing it down, you brought it up and you started weakening the networks in your brain and changing them. You then made 1400 neurophysiological responses work for you instead wow. of against you, against you. You dilated the blood vessels in your heart. You increased blood flow to your brain. You increased oxygen to your brain. So in that, and that gave you cognitive flexibility. Um, you were able to see more clearly. It's like using windscreen wipers. You drive through the snow, you can't see. You put your screen wipers on you can see that's what the neurocycle does and that's what you were doing and it's progressive so it's not sometimes you can uh, you can use it in a moment like if you're having an argument you can calm yourself yeah. down and get to get yourself under control in five seconds using the five steps you can do it daily for the 15 to 45 minutes over 63 days to unwire something and rewire it um, and so it's, it's used in multiple multiple ways so coming back to your example you felt angry you gathered so you, you didn't just suppress it and or run with it you didn't let it overwhelm you that was a warning signal so if you think of this ugly tree emitting a smell like sulfur okay and like a rose smells nice this doesn't smell very nice so think of the toxic tree emitting an odor which is like a warning signal so the anger that you felt whatever was like a warning signal instead of just shoving it down and getting more angry and that leading to just all kinds of other negative things during the day oh, yeah. and feeling like i just can't cope and life just sucks that kind of thing and it just sits instead of that you actually faced it embraced it and soon the minute you did that it moved from your non-conscious to your conscious it changed structural uh, it changed its structure from being a fixed structure to a a malleable, changeable structure in the brain. So the protein bonds actually weakened and all that other blood stuff I told you about and oxygen and 1400, whatever, all that happened. And then as you started, so the first, first thing is you gathered awareness of those signals. Mm. You probably were also aware that your body had tensed up or something or you had a shot of adrenaline through your yes. gut or whatever or your heart was palpitating. So that's the physical warning signal. And the reason we get a physical warning signal is because when we experience something and we built a pattern in our brain, we haven't just built it into our physical brain we've we've also built it into every cell of our body yeah. into the dna so you restore memory we, memories are the branches on the thought this is the thought of being angry about whatever or having this angry reaction or something but there's all these branches represent other memories like the tree is made of branches and roots many branches and many roots a thought is made of many memories behavior memories emotion memories and root memories which are the causes Okay, so and these also have emotions and stuff attached to them, but those are the origin story memories. So when I bring up a thought, it doesn't just bring up one thing; it brings up this plus. Then these things will get activated. So tons of stuff is going through your mind from this. Okay? Yeah. So we, what we want to do is bring it up, and we want to weaken those bonds and and pull them apart and deconstruct them. So by you acknowledging the warning signal of the anger, I'm just going to take one, let's say, or the frustration, and then looking at taking the time to actually ask yourself, reflect. Okay, what am I? So, sorry, let me slow that down. You gather awareness, so gather, yes. like gather, bring it in, embrace it of the warning signals, emotional warning signals, and physical warning signals. The emotional warning signals are those like the emotions, frustration, etc. The physical are because we stored the memory in the in body, body as well. The thoughts were stored in the body. So when you built that memory initially, it was built in the brain, in the mind, which is in gravitational fields, and in every cell of the body. And there's 37 to 100 trillion cells in the body, 37 trillion to 100 trillion cells in the brain and the body. So everything you experience, like now as you're listening to me, you're building what I'm saying in your brain. It's a good thought though. I'm <laughs> so you're good. building this in your brain. 
Adding your body into the DNA. Yes. So what I'm saying is going into every cell of your body, into your brain, and into the gravitational fields of your mind. Three places. So that's why we get emotional warning signals, which pull up the um, the emotions, because in building the memory, in building good or bad, we were thinking and feeling and choosing. So as you we were thinking, we were getting data. As we were feeling, we were getting emotions. And as we chose, we built. So mm. thinking gets data. Feeling gets emotions, choosing builds data, it builds all of this data into the brain, the body, the DNA, and into the gravitational fields of the mind. So it goes in three places. That's what you're doing now. That's what you've done with any experience, any trauma, good, bad, bad, habit, good, habit. All of it's done that. So when you have that feeling of anger and palpitation in your heart or whatever, those are the warning signals that, okay, I must, like my alarm goes off in the morning, I must pay attention. Those are messengers of an underlying cause. Then then you can start, you go, you can, the, the, the next thing is to look at your behaviors, gather awareness of my behaviors. What are my behaviors? I'm getting mad, I'm hooting in traffic or I'm whatever it may be, or I'm angry or something happened. Whatever the behavior is, I'm speaking angrily, I'm aggressive, I'm withdrawing, mm. I'm not doing my work as well. What are the behaviors that you see associated with that, those warning signals? Then what is the perspective, the tree trunk? Is it that you just, life is sucks or um, you, hard, uh, you you feel like a victim? There's always a perspective. Those behaviors come from a perspective, which is the tree trunk. And that perspective has grown from an origin story, which has got lots of memories in it, which are the roots of the tree. Like a tree, when you, when you plant a seed, the seed is the experience. Yes. Then the roots grow. That's the origin story. So you, the child is raped. That's the seed. Yes. The rape experience grows as roots. It produces a perspective on life. I'm shame. I'm guilt. I can't form a relationship. I don't deserve love. And that comes out in behavior of um, low self-esteem and anger and yeah. aggression and pulling away. And that generates depression. Do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. I've just described the root back Absolutely. that way. So I've got, to, I've got to take the roots back to the, and that's what the five steps are doing. So when you did that gathering of the signals, gathering of the behaviors, gathering of the perspective, then you started reflecting second step, which is asking those deep questions. Reflection yeah. is a massive word that does such a lot of work in the brain. It pulls from the non-conscious mind. It gets the two sides of the brain working together. It gets blood flow going. It reduces cortisol. It increases intelligence. You start getting to the why. It's, and what you're doing is you're asking why. Reflect is not just, oh, I did this because. It's deep. Why? And then you, you answer why. And then you answer why. So you're going deep, 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 yeah. deep. Ask and you discuss it with yourself and you do it in this multiple perspective advantage. You stand back and you observe yeah. yourself doing it. So you split into two. So there's Caleb there in the anger experience and there's Caleb the, the calm, controlled, wise, intelligent Caleb. And the calm, controlled, wise, intelligent Caleb is saying, okay, let's look at the warning signals. Let's look at the emotional warning, the physical warning, the behaviors, the perspective. Let's now reflect, why am I doing that? What, what does that mean? Who, what, when, where, why, how? Ask, answer, discuss. And you're discussing back and forth with yourself. We have this phenomenal ability to do this. It's always easier to advise someone else than it is to advise ourselves. Mm. And that's why you go into this wise advisor and you talk to yourself in this way. So you do the five so steps good. of the new cycle as an advisor. Mm. Then you, when you write, you, when you experience yourself as you wrote it down, you start putting your brain on paper. And if you use a metacog, I don't know if you ever learned how to use the metacog, which is that way of organizing yes. information where you branch it. It just makes your brain work harder. The two sides work together. You you get more intelligent more quickly. You can dive deeper. You'll find answers quicker. You'll find things that you didn't think about in your reflect or gather. 
and it'll start coming out and it activates the basal ganglia. You get cognitive fluency. You get more, uh, you get a tremendous balance between the left and the right side of the brain. You get an increase in, in what we call the alpha wave in the front of the brain. So if I hold up the brain, I mean, there's a million things. I'm just telling you a few. Um, you get a balance of alpha. Alpha is a bridging wave. When you get high alpha energy in the front of the brain, it means that we, and it's balanced. It means that I'm going to be able to dig into the depths of my memory to find out why. I'm going to start getting to the root. If alpha drops and becomes asymmetrical, we, we block, we get stuck, we can't think straight. So the alpha is the bridge between digging into the non-conscious mind and and connecting the, connecting the dots. That then stimulates what we call gamma across the whole brain, which then shoots out which then is coming from uh, it comes from an ability to integrate information so you can start digging around so as you start reflecting and writing this is the pro these processes are all happening but at a deeper and deeper level so as you progressively move through the, the five steps you're progressively going deeper and deeper and deeper into driving your brain your mind and brain in the right direction so you're using your mind to trade. So you're using the calm, wise Caleb to fix the, the messy mental mess, Caleb. And at the same time, you're fixing the mess in your brain and you're fixing your DNA. Yeah. And we saw that in our studies, we saw people's DNA changing significantly so cool. in short periods of time, which is phenomenal and blood and everything. And then the fourth step is where you would then analyze what you've written and try and make sense of it and find the patterns and the triggers and the activators. I also don't like the word triggers, activators. And the, you know, the, and then you start saying, how can I look at this differently? Maybe I'm, you know, let's, let's, can I start seeing why I'm doing this? And if I can, how can I reconstruct it? Mm. How can I reconceptualize? What's another perspective? How can I, it's not just X plus Y equals Z. It's a whole, it's the Kintsugi. It's not that plus that. It is all of it together creating a whole new beautiful thing and a whole new way of looking at that incorporates the lessons of what you've gone through. How can trauma be a lesson it's it's not a lesson that you needed to learn it's not right it's not fear but you i mean it's not fair but you're not shame you you've got to convert and take that shame energy and transform and reconceptualize and see okay it made me feel like that because it was such an invasion of 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 a natural thing it destroyed my identity so i've got to rebuild my identity that's reconceptualization mm. i see myself i'm not shame I'm going to use the shame. I'm not, I am not shame. I felt shame because, but I don't have to feel shame yeah. because I was innocent. And it takes, it's not going to take that, that kind of thing won't heal in one sitting. That's going to take 63 days at least, and maybe multiple cycles of 63 days to convert I feel shame into, okay, I felt shame. I don't mm. have to feel shame. I was the victim, you know, that kind of thing. So that's what you're doing. And then the final step is an act of reach. It's a simple yes. little action. Like, okay, I'm going to stay. I'm not going to lose my temper. Now when I feel that coming on, I'm going to breathe deeply mm. or whatever, something sim super simple. Now that you can do in the moment, you did it in the moment. You did that five steps in five seconds or five minutes. Right. So you can, that's the, the neurocycle life hacks where you can manage the moments, the arguments, the, the, the reactions, the getting sunk, sunk into your emotions, getting stuck in your mind, people pleasing, reacting to toxic words. So the stuff that helps you get through the day, you can quickly do a five step. But then you you dedicate, as I mentioned already, when you're working on the big stuff, those little things, the little five steps will show you, hey, this is a pattern. I keep yes. doing this. So I'm going to manage it now, but I need to do a 63-day yes. cycle to find out why do I keep doing this. Um, I keep people-pleasing. Okay, this is how I'm going to manage it now so I can get through the day. But why do I keep doing this? This is a pattern. It's happening almost all the time mm. with X kind of person. I need to do a 63-day to find out why. And that's when you can then change the behavior. So you use the five steps almost like in the moment as a 
as a band-aid. Self-soothing. Self-regulating. Yep. Yeah, a bit of soothing, cooling gel on those yep. sore muscles. And then you go do the work of, okay, you're actually going to have to get the tumor out. So here's a pain med to help you through the moment, but let's go and do the surgery because we need to remove the yeah. tumor. So you've got to see it from those two perspectives. And then there's a third aspect, but I'll tell you about that once you've asked me your next question. <laughs> no, I'm listening to all this. And <laughs> A, I'm thinking like, we are the most like majestic, beautiful, infinite creatures. Like what you yes. just told us about like who I am. I'm like, how would I ever like think negatively about me? Or how would I ever put ceilings over my life? Like what, like we are beyond like beyond beyond. Yeah. Right. It's just cool to hear. And also what I'm hearing is like, this is the epitome of taking back power over your life. Yes. It's empowerment. Yes. It's, in, it's the pathway which, to empowerment. Yes. Which I want to use that to segue into what really caught my attention in your book when I was reading it the last few days. Let me say it like this. About six months ago, I had just kind of a, a breakdown and I've been processing this. I'm comfortable talking about it or whatever. But really what happened mm. is I feel like it's been the first time in my life um, since I started this journey over a decade ago uh, where I have fully and completely given up on myself. Like I'm done. I'm done trying to yeah. find this thing, which I look back on now after recontextualizing things. And it was this yeah. deeper, deeper surrendering that was happening and a letting go yeah. um, that was necessary for my life. But really what happened in the moment that really created some self-destruction and kind of just negative or not negative, but just not the most positive uh, yeah, decisions yeah. Um, was this loss of hope. And I was reading in your book and I was seeing like this, you know, the premature mortality rate in the yes. States, right. And how it's not linked to happiness or unhappiness, which a lot of people are still under that idea, but it was actually linked to the loss of hope for a better future. And so I'm just wondering, like, and I know there is the work, like the process of doing this work actually leads to empowerment, which leads to more hope. Can you just kind of break that down? Because I know a lot of people are, they're afraid to say yes to this call again. They're, say, they're afraid to say yes to this yeah. journey again because they've lost hope, right? And I know a lot of people are there. Well, I'm so glad that you read that and I'm so glad you raised that and thank you for doing that and very insightful and very significant because yes, for the first time in centuries, in decades, I should say, people are dying 15 to 25 wow. years younger than they should from preventable lifestyle diseases. So what's a lifestyle disease? It's things, it's anything that can kill you from the cancer to the heart disease to immune to whatever and um, it's, it's, they're lifestyle driven. So therefore, people can live longer with cancer. They can prevent getting it, for example, through mind. So mind plays a massive role in all metab metabolic, autoimmune, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so the big picture is that if we change our lifestyle, if we change, let me say this in a better way. Why are people dying younger and why are these deaths, are they calling them deaths of despair? And it's not just the United wow. States, it's global. It's okay. global. There. And it's, I was talking to some doctors yesterday that were interviewing me and they came from a very medical perspective and they said, well, the loss, the deaths are because of an increase in suicide. Why is there an increase in suicide? Loss of hope. So the main underlying factor is if you don't have your, if you feel like your mind is out of control, if you feel like your that, that like your mind is in a vice and you're stuck and the, you can't see hope, then why should I even want to live? There's no reason when you just, when all you've got is all this toxic thoughts just going on and on and on in your head and there's just like yeah. trauma after trauma and one thing after another coming up and you just don't know how to manage that. It 
builds this whole frequency where your energy levels in the front of your brain, your brain responds, your energy levels drop, the blood levels drop, Every, your body changes, and that physical adds to the feeling of loss of hope. So the mind is working through the brain, and then your body responds, and you feel sick, and and the loss of hope is what kills people. It's, right. it's seri- it seriously is. And that's why when people talk about happiness in the happiness industry, it's this whole extrinsic toxic positivity thing where oh i can get something and put it in me no it's in you and you've got to release it it's in that space that victor frankel talks about and that's what i'm trying to help people find is when you when i tell you that wow you have you in in in, at 400 billion actions per second you can design your brain you can turn this into that you can make this worse you can turn this into that you at 400 billion actions per second are causing you creating you actually in this moment are creating physical changes inside your brain you're making stuff just from your mind you are driving your genes you're driving your your the, the way your hormones are everything about you is controlled by you and you can with just a shift of how you manage your mind you can start driving that in the direction that you want it to go and that's a pathway to feeling empowered because you're feeling the control back. back people give up hope because they feel there's no control. Yeah. Hope is linked to every, every breakdown hope. I have no hope. Well, I don't know how to get my mind under control. It's scary living in my head. I'm having nightmares. I'm stuck. I can't see a future. People will die from that. Yeah. It kills people. And there's many reasons why people lose hope. Um, but essentially, it starts coming down to feeling terrible about yourself. Yeah. The bottom line is that I just don't have hope because I can't get to. So everyone has their narrative and their story about what's happened to them. But when people lose hope, they've lost belief in themselves. And so my main goal is to show you accept that loss of hope, accept that loss of happiness, accept that despair, face it. Because now as soon as you face it, it's weakening already. Just the mere fact that you're saying, I'd feel hopeless. I feel like I'm going to break down from lack of hope. Now we say, okay, First step done. Now, second step is let's let's now see that as a warning signal. Now, let's try and find out. Let's do this nice, neat clinical analysis of let's go from the the hope, the warning signals, the behaviors. Let's track back through this perspective and let's start finding the origin story of where did this start? Where what was the origin of this? And you driving that, so that that ability, uh, that having um, a technique, having a not a technique, having this process of yes. when I do this, I'm actually now getting control back. So the five steps is is redesigning. And fortunately, with the five steps, fortunately, you will feel better almost immediately. That's why those in the in the instant things are very good to yes. do, which you experience yourself. But you've got to still do the work. work. You know, you, you you've got it. You can't keep putting bandits on. Eventually, you have to deal with that pus pussy boil that popping all over the place or that tumor that's causing problems or that muscle that keeps on hamstring that keeps pulling or whatever it may be. You've got to address the cause of why that's happening. But in the temporary relief, you can at least start having a temporary calmness, um, almost like a, a healthy this sort of sedative kind of thing, but it's not a sedative, it's because it's mind, yeah. to help you to start having the courage to face the deep stuff. That in itself starts rebuilding your self-esteem because yeah. you realize I'm doing this. I, I, I'm i the one doing it. I'm the one carrying the ring. Yes, you're helping me. Yes, I need to talk to my loved ones. Yes, I need the therapists, of the loved ones, the support, the support system. But I'm the one living with my mind 24-7. I've got to know how am I going to get into bed tonight? What do I do in the moment when I'm in bed and I can't fall asleep and everyone in the house 
else is asleep and I'm alone awake and my mind's going crazy. What can I do? Yeah. You're empowered. You're brilliant. You actually have the ability to take that, embrace it, and work through these five steps. Be diligent. Get into that multiple perspective advantage. And as you do that, you will then draw on the inner depths of your wisdom because in the we are wired for love, literally. Nobel yeah. Prize winning scientists have shown that our brain is wired for love. So that toxic thought is our immune systems trying to expel this toxic thought exactly like it's like um, like the COVID virus has been. Our body's trying to expel the COVID virus. Your your brain sees a toxic thought in the same way as it sees a virus, and so it's trying to expel it. And so the, that's why we get the bodily reactions. Mm -hmm. That's why we get the warning signals. And our mind is trying to expel it. That's why we get the emotional warning signals. Depression is telling you I'm trying to get rid of something. So listen to those, and then follow these five steps, and then do it diligently over time, and you then create a pathway to empowerment. So the subjects in my clinical trial, for example, and that's in the book, we had control group, we had experimental group. Both went through the same intensive testing, which was um, psychological, the narrative, the most important. What's your story? What's happening? What's your context? Um, and then blood, we tested, looked at their brains through QEEG, so neuroscientific. We looked at the DNA. We looked at blood, cortisol information, all that kind of stuff. So both groups were made very aware through that testing of the issues. But awareness wasn't enough because our experimental group yeah. got the neurocycle and they worked through the neurocycle diligently over 63 days and they came into clinic at different points and we had contact with them at, at these certain key day, key points in this process. So like day one, day four, day seven, day 14, day 21, day 42, day 63. Those are all key time points where major changes were happening in the brain and then we would watch and monitor them at each of those phases so just that's why it's clinical research it's a, a, a random controlled trial it's science and i'm telling you this not because of anything except to tell you that this is scientific this yeah. is what will happen if you do this it's not just pie in the sky motivational wah-wah um pop culture Kirkland's, you know, little thing to stick on your wall. This is real. You are empowered to do that. So what we saw in our, our control group was they didn't have this. They got worse. They were aware, but they didn't know what to do with their awareness. So their brains got worse. Their anxiety got worse. Their inflammation got worse. Their telomeres shortened. Some of them, they went from having the, uh, your, your chronological age is how old you are. Your biological age is how healthy the cells of your body are. Wow. And which means how healthy the systems are. And they should match. You can understand your, your your heart should be as old as you. If you're 30, your heart should be a 30-year-old. These if we, under extreme stress, they, these these subjects' hearts were um, they were 30, and they had uh, some of them. Just example, and they, they had a heart of a 65-year-old, sickly 65-year-old. That doesn't make sense. If you are 30 and you're sitting with a heart of a sickly sickly 65-year-old, you're vulnerable to heart disease, and that's just an example. So without mind management, that's the sort of effect. And those people were getting more and more anxious, more and more depressed. We saw firing up in the brain like 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 a tsunami of like we call a red brain of high, high anxiety to the point where they just couldn't function. Some got so depressed that, that we got the opposite flatline, low, 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 low energy in the brain where they couldn't function. Once the study was over, obviously we gave the control group the mind management and there was we reversed all of that. The experimental group, however, got it from day one and they were going through the cycle. So they were managing their mind. I didn't give them meds. I didn't do the work on their diet. I just gave them the neurocycle, oh. which they did daily. And we just told them to work on one thought, one thought, toxic thought. And remember, one thought has got lots of Yes. memories so when i say one thought you're still going to think of thousands of things yes. but it's all related and associated around that thought and they what they were saying by day 21 they were saying things like 
okay, I'm still feeling depression. I'm still battling to sleep, but my sleep is 25% better, but I'm no longer depression. At the beginning of the study, they were saying, now listen to this, I am depression. I'm depressed. I'm clinically depressed. By day 21, three weeks into the study, we we saw massive neuroplastic changes in the brain, massive what you call gamma peaks in the brain where the learning was, where they were learning to reconceptualize. Reconceptualization was happening at day 21. They had taken this toxic thought and embraced process and reconceptualize it into this. They were saying things like, I was depressed. I still have depression because they knew the reason yeah so they had seen depression wasn't me wasn't my identity depression was no longer my identity depression was now the what i felt because of mess can you see the difference yes that's empowerment that's control they also said things like i now know what to do when i feel depressed i know how to what to do and i know and then the incidents were less and less by day 63 the incidents of depression were less and less and as they hit they knew what to do Mm. the anxiety the whatever it was that they were experiencing we had people suicidal at the beginning of the study that were coping six months later were were, um, um, stabilized Uh, within 21 days were stabilized but we saw telomeres which are chrome dna the ladder okay. of the DNA chromosomes look like X's. Where you see my nail, those are telomeres. Telomeres are what we call a proxy for how you're managing your mind. So if you aren't managing your mind, these things shorten. Why? They're very directly um, related to the energy that your mind generates. So if it's toxic energy, it kind of damages them and they get very weak. And we need those to make new cells. And we make millions of new cells every second. So if these things are not working, my fingernails, you're not going to make good cells. Wow. So your biological state is going to get unhealthier and unhealthier. We showed that trend reversing significantly in nine weeks. Normally, the research up till recently has shown it's only it takes five years. We showed and it changes at three weeks, six weeks, and nine weeks, significant changes, wow. which is phenomenal. There's only a couple of other people in the world that have actually shown that kind of thing. So what I'm saying is that your mind is directly influencing because your, your mind builds, as I said, in brain, body, and uh, in brain and in every cell and in your mind. So when you change your mind, you will change every cell of your body. We saw that happening by the telomeres was evidence that you that you were changing your your every cell of your body. The brain started calming down. The red spots went and we got a balanced waveform. You want a nice balanced wave if you think of the sea, big waves to the breakers, to the little waves on the beach. That represents the waves of the brain. The brain responds energetically. You get Delta, Theta, Alpha, Beta, Gamma, each yeah. of those does different things. We wanted a balance between them. Without mind management, there was in, it was like a tsunami. Yeah. With brain, with mind management, it was this beautiful waveform that we what we wanted to get. So that's what will happen. That's why I bring in the science. When you do this mind management, it's a skill that you learn. You'll get better and better the more you do it. So as you're doing it in the moment, like you did, gave your example, or if you're doing the trauma work, which I know you've done some trauma work as well. That's a different exercise. The other thing you can do is brain building. Mm. And I've put that as the first exercise. And it's one of the most important um, mental health exercises for brain resilience. And brain building is just learning new information. So in addition to catching the moments of anger, et cetera, as you explained, or catching the frustration or the toxic words or the people pleasing, the in the moment stuff. And in addition to working on detoxing the trauma or detoxing the bad habit or rebuilding a new habit or getting a new thing going in your life, 
you need to brain build. Every single day you need to brain build, which means learn new information. So the same five steps you use for detoxing, building habits, detoxing trauma, dealing with acute trauma, dealing with issues in the moment, you use the same five steps just slightly differently to learn new information. And that when you, your brain's designed to learn, if you don't learn new information every day, you have what we call neurogenesis happening. Neurogenesis is new cells forming. So as you wake up in the morning, you've got new cells forming in your brain. They're designed to strengthen the resilience of the brain. The more resilient and healthy the brain is, the more the more it will respond to the mind in a healthy way. So a healthy brain, healthy mind, healthy mind, healthy brain, healthy body. So if you want that to happen quickly, if you want to increase your resilience, start your day with brain building. I do at least an hour to two hours every day. Sometimes I've only got 15 minutes in the morning, but I'll make sure during the course of the day I will brain build. And brain building is easy. You're always reading something. So yeah. instead of just reading it, learn it. Mm. Take my book and study it. Yeah. Study this stuff. Take 15 minutes or an hour and use the five steps to actually go through and learn and the goal of brain building is you should be able to teach that information as yeah. though as, as as the way you wanted it taught to you. you 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 must know it so well that you could give a lecture on it that's the goal of brain building not just to know stuff but yeah. to be able to discuss it with logic to be able to write an exam on it mm. and that builds brain resilience so my patients when they came in my practice when i still practice we would spend the first part of the session on brain building and the second part of the session on trauma work. Mm. And sometimes when they first started, we'd spend the first five or six sessions just on brain building. Then we would go into trauma work and working on the other, on the other issues. So you build strength and resilience so before good. you dive in and do that. Anyway, so there's lots of no, stuff. No, it's so good. It's funny because when you said that, I'm thinking about like, and I'm looking back at my, <laughs> from a macro perspective, like at the seasons of my life when I'm having more ups and downs, like even yeah. this last season that I talked about, yes. I am somebody that loves loves to wake up, you know, I'm an early riser and I love to study. I love to read. I love to Fantastic. write things down. I love those things. But it's funny because when I'm having a hard time and I'm more dealing with and experiencing more depression or anxiety, there's none of that happening in my life. But when I'm really optimistic and have this sense of purpose and happiness, that's always what's happening in my life. Okay, so now you try this, try this, Caleb. When you feel like really challenged, like you feel, mm -hmm. and, and I just want to quickly say, when you had that breakdown, the way you embraced it and you did the five steps, mm -hmm. I want to congratulate you. you. You didn't run from it. You ran, to, and you have, there's no shame in that. We've got to yeah. keep telling ourselves, if you're human, you're a mental mess. Breakdowns are a very normal part of life. Mm. I mean, I just recently went through some stuff as well with a family member who was extended family member who was suicidal. And if you listen to my podcast, I talk about the story. Yeah. And that was a very, a very, and I had to like literally neurocycle to keep myself calm enough to get through it. But it's okay to be sad. It's okay to feel you've got too much pressure. So I wanted to just say that. Thank you. First up front there that embrace whatever you're going through. Never feel shame. Never feel embarrassment. Embrace it because the research shows when you see it as helpful, you will get through it. If you feel embarrassed and you suppress it, it's going to stay with yeah. you. So you're not empowered. You you lose control. You shift the power balance with embracing. Okay, that was just the one thing. Um, the, what was I saying? That you asked me a question. You said the next time I feel that oh, way. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so when you feel like in a state where you just something terrible happens and you and you're feeling very negative. Go and brain build. Take yeah. 15 minutes. Like I love brain research, obviously, and mind health, mind science, etc. And I will immediately, and I'm always writing, um, I write publications on, on my research, which is hard work. And it's, you've got to really intensively think. 
So I use my five steps. So when I'm feeling very pressured or something's just happened or I've had an argument and I've managed to resolve it, but I'm still feeling the impact of it or I wake up in the night and I'm anxious about something, I will brain build. Mm. So even if I don't feel like it, yeah. I will go and distract. So it's a temporary distraction, but it's a healthy distraction because what I'm doing instinctively is I'm using the five steps, which gets yeah. my mind under control and it gets my brain and, and I'm also building stuff into my brain. So I'm increasing brain health and resilience. You will always feel 100% better after that. And then you can tackle why you felt awful. So in the midst of the feeling awful, brain build, even so if it's good. 10 minutes, it's transformative. That's so good. Dr. Leaf, I can't like, I could do this for another two hours, <laughs> but um, well, let's just... I know that your, your book um, is, it's on pre-sale now. So people can pick it up pre-sale yeah. now. And then it's released on March 3rd. March 2nd, March it's on 2nd. pre-order now. And if they if they pre-order, there's all kinds of things, a NeuroCycle book club for three weeks. And we are talk about how to do exactly these things when people give me their, their problems and we would NeuroCycle. There's um, extra chapters for kids. There's, um, uh, there's an, uh, if, if I've got a NeuroCycle app as well. It's been out for about a year now okay. called Switch. But yes. now we are, we're upgrading it and it's changing to NeuroCycle and we're putting in a ton of new resources into it. And it's amazing. Um, and that will be available as well. And you get a Free month of that when you pre-order. So basically, people can get the book at cleaningupyourmentalmess.com. It'll take you to all the links wherever books are sold. Awesome. Um, and they can find me on my podcast, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, and drleaf.com, and my social media is Dr. Caroline Leaf. Awesome. I'll make sure to have all of those links um, in the description of this podcast. But honestly, I'm so deeply touched by our time together, and I cannot thank you enough for uh, saying yes to this and being here with me today. Thank you. And I'd love to, thank you so much. I've loved our conversation and would love to have you on my podcast. Oh my God, that'd be such an honor. And, yeah, no, and how you tell your story and how oh, this has worked you. for you. It's lovely for people to actually have a, hear a story of how it's really working for them. And thank your story you. is fantastic. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Love As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.